Good day to all of you. It's such a joy and an honor to be able to join you even though this is virtual. Uh, before anything, a happy new year to all of you. May 2021 be filled with, with the goodness, the graciousness, and, and, the, and the fullness of God's favor upon all of your lives this year. And I just want to thank Pastor Timothy uh, for asking me to be a part of your service today. And Pastor Tim is a dear, dear friend. And I want to thank you, actually, on behalf of the Every Nation Global family uh, for sharing your pastor, Pastor Tim, uh, to the Every Nation Global world. Um, he, he is such a blessing to the Every Nation family. He brings so much wisdom. Uh, he's such a tremendous leader. And uh, the Every Nation Global uh, family is all the better for it because Pastor Tim serves on, uh, on our international uh, global team. So again, thank you on behalf and again, good morning to all of you. Um, again, welcome to our series that's called The Awesome God, where we are looking at the greatness and the goodness of God as revealed through His names in His encounters with certain biblical characters. And today, we're going to look at El Roy, or the Lord who sees. And our text is in Genesis chapter 16, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, but before we actually turn to Genesis 16, Genesis 12 and 15 help set the stage for, for our story today. And most of you are familiar with uh, Genesis 12 to 15, where God chose Abraham. Basically, God chose to save the world through Abraham's seed. And so um, this universal redemptive plan of God hinged on Abraham having an heir. And it all peaked in chapter 15 when Abraham believed the promises of God. And this great faith of Abraham was credited to, credited to him as righteousness. And so that's where you find ourselves in chapter 16, where the real drama begins. And it's almost like a soap opera when you get to uh, Genesis 16. And we realize Abram's family was actually very dysfunctional, you know, with a lot of very interesting plot twists and turns. In fact, just to help us save one time, let me just... Uh, allow me to share the story with all of you from verses 1 to 7, and then we'll jump later on in about uh, verse 10. But And so the promise has been given. There's a covenant uh, with Abraham to save the world through his seed. And then we get to chapter 16. And in verse 1, plot, plot twist number 1 is revealed. Sarah is barren. Now, you have to understand, in ancient culture, they had no understanding of physiology, eh? In their minds, there's no reason physically why a woman could not give birth except if she were cursed and judged by God. So this was cause for great shame. In fact, it was written into many of the marriage contracts back then in those days where if a husband realizes the woman he married was barren, he could justifiably divorce his wife. That It was grounds for divorce. Uh, primarily because one of the functions of the family, again, we're talking about ancient culture, was to propagate the family line through childbirth or through heirs and descendants. And as in the case of Sarah, when you're not able to do that, if for whatever reason you're not able to um, bear a child because you are cursed and judged by God, it was actually socially more acceptable to enter into a polygamous relationship or to, uh, or to adopt a surrogacy, have a surrogate mother, okay? Which is how our story unfolds, in order so that you could produce an heir. 
That leads us to plot twist number two. And so with Sarah, following the, the customs of the day, she, Sarah herself, Sarah, takes her slave uh, or servant, Hagar, okay, and Sarah gives her to Abraham to take on as another wife so that the child could be raised by Sarah as her own child. Now, Hagar, being an Egyptian slave, was most likely, we don't know for sure, but most likely was one of the slaves that was given to Abram by the Pharaoh of Egypt in chapter 12. You know, Abram became, stayed in Egypt, they fled uh, uh, Canaan because of the famine, got wealthy, became influential, friends with the Pharaoh, received and gave and received a lot of gifts. And among those, most likely was Hagar. And so now we reach plot twist number three. So Hagar gets pregnant. And when Hagar got pregnant, she bought into the this ancient, again, the customary thinking of, of culture back then where, huh, you know, um, I'm pregnant with an heir for Abram and Sarah is barren. That makes me superior to Sarah. And so she becomes arrogant and effectively curses Sarah. If you read the Hebrew, she effectively curses Sarah. Now remember, God blessed Abram. John, Genesis 12 to 15 was all about the blessing of God on Abram so that he could be a blessing to the nations. And in chapter 16, Hagar is reversing this blessing by bringing a curse on Sarah because she got, um, she got arrogant. And so in return, uh, Sarah treated Hagar harshly which caused uh, Hagar to flee uh, into the wilderness where the angel of the Lord found her. Okay, the text says, as she attempted to go back to Egypt. And this leads us to plot twist number four. This is the first time that the angel of the Lord appears in scripture. It's not to Abram. It's not to Noah. It's to Hagar. Now, who was Hagar? And that's a very important point, and we'll get to that in the next few minutes. But what's even more significant is that the Bible says the angel found her. In other words, the angel was looking intentionally, deliberately for Hagar. The angel didn't bump into Hagar. Um, he didn't end up at her doorstep unannounced, unplanned. It's not like, you know, we bump into each other or our friend in the mall. Hey, what are you doing here? You know, blah, blah, blah. No, the angel was actually actively looking for Sarah and found her. So this is a fantastic story okay, with many rich characters. We could go the route of Sarah who basically exchanged the promises of God uh, for what was acceptable to society in those days. Or we could go the route of Abram who reached a peak in Genesis 15 who who through his great faith, it was credited to him as righteousness. And just one chapter later, nose dives okay, into doubt and, and to human effort. There's even Ishmael, whose birth alone was a threat to the plan and the purposes of God. But this chapter is about the story of Hagar. The biblical author is very clear. This is not about Sarai, not about Abram, not about Ishmael. This is about Hagar. And so let's pick up the story um, in Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 to 10. The angel of the Lord found her 
by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. Shur was just across Egypt, which is how we know she was attempting to go back. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. So again, this is not about Abraham, not about Sarah, not about Ishmael. It's about Hagar. Why Hagar? Who was Hagar? And for our purposes, who did Hagar represent? What kind of people did Hagar represent that God sees? Okay, first of all, Hagar was marginalized and oppressed. She was an Egyptian slave. She was racially and ethnically outside of the covenant and the promises of God. And being a slave, she was a commodity to be given, to be sold, and to be purchased. She was a nobody, a lowest of the low. Her entire life was one long story of suffering. And yet God saw her. In fact, Hagar was so stunned that she, an Egyptian, a foreign slave, would be the focus of the attention and the grace of God on her life. So again, Hagar was marginalized and oppressed. But not only that, she was guilty. Okay, remember this, Hagar was no innocent party in all of this. She was not some innocent uh, victim uh, by all of the bad people around her. No, 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 no. She was the one who became arrogant. She bought into the lie of the culture, remember this, and thought and assumed that she now was superior to Sarai just because she got pregnant. And so she despised or cursed Sarai, and in return, Sarai treated her harshly. She was just as guilty as Sarah and Abraham. And yet God looked for her. In fact, in the Hebrew grammar, the way this is phrased, if, if we all understood Hebrew and read Genesis 16, it was, there was a very clear parallel to, to Genesis chapter 3. So if in verse 8, the angel looked for Hagar and said, Where have you come from? And where are you going? That was a very clear parallel to the Hebrew reader. To Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 9, when God looked for Adam and said, Where are you? In other words, God came to seek and to save the lost. God does not shut the door out or the gate on the guilty or the sinful. Instead, he came to seek and to save the lost. So Hagar was marginalized and oppressed. She was guilty. But finally, thirdly, Hagar was a woman of faith. Okay? Now, remember, God made an important promise to Hagar saying, your, your offspring will be in multitude. And we know later in chapter 21 that you will be, his, your son will become a great nation. But that promise hinged on the obedience of Hagar to go back to Sarah. In other words, God, the angel, presented Hagar with a choice. My plan, where you will become 
yeah, a multitude, your offspring will, and, and into a great nation, or your own plan. Do it your own way. Go back to Egypt and figure your way out. Hagar listened to God. She obeyed God and went back to Sarai and was received. Now, just a quick side note here. What we're not saying, we're not saying to go back to an abusive relationship. That's a, that's a totally another subject that's beyond the scope of this message. In fact, in chapter 21, again, God allows Hagar to leave. So the point was not to stick and stay in an abusive relationship. And in fact, on another side note, that also tells us that in times of suffering and affliction, the right thing to do is not always to flee or to escape. Because there are things, and we know this in James chapter 1, there are things that God can do in our lives, certain deposits that God can leave only in the context of suffering, of faith, perseverance in and through suffering. Okay, just had to say that. So in summary, in summary, God saw Hagar, even though she was marginalized, she was guilty, but God saw her because she was a woman of faith. So two takeaways for us today through this lesson. Number one, God sees you. You know, the world we live in makes a big deal about self-promotion. It talks about or it teaches us how to turn ourselves into a brand, you know, so that we can be heard, so that we stand out, you know, in the midst, in the sea of humanity, we are able to stand out. And it's really all an attempt to be visible. And, and we know and the way that this world is structured, in order to be visible, you have to be an influencer or a VIP, some rich person or a celebrity, you know, famous for the sake of being famous. That's how to be visible in the world's eyes. And so there may nothing be wrong with you. You may be perfectly fine, but if you happen to be regular, uh, common, ordinary, normal, most likely the world will ignore you the way this world works. How much more the marginalized and oppressed? In our society today, they literally disappear. They become invisible. Nobody, they're not even ignored because nobody even sees them or thinks about them. Well, not to God. God sees everyone, including the VIPs and the influencers and, 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 the, and the, the visible people in society. But not just them, God sees everyone, especially the marginalized and oppressed. I wish we had time to dive into scripture as to how God always vindicates, you know, the aliens, the widows and the orphans and the oppressed and the afflicted. God is always for the marginalized and the oppressed. And if you happen to be, if you feel like an outsider, or maybe you are marginalized racially or socially for whatever reason, God not just sees you, he sees somebody made in the image of God. In fact, he sees somebody who he formed even in your mother's womb. The Bible says God even knows the number of hair on your head. So maybe the world is oblivious to your existence or to what you do, but not to God. God sees you. Now here's my second point. 
God not only sees you, He watches over you. I realized when I said in my first point, God sees you, that could come across like, you know, big government, you know, 1984, if you read the novel, big brother is watching you or I don't know, or some angry policeman, they're always watching you. Kind of, uh, that's not at all <laughs> the tone of, of the scripture. In fact, God watches us because he's a father. And fathers don't simply watch their children. They watch over their children. When, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, how did he teach them to address God? Our father, because he's a father. And you don't have to ask fathers to protect, to provide, or to care. They themselves, on their own, because of their unconditional love for their children, will watch over them. But not only that, and this is the context of Genesis, the entire context of Genesis, God is a covenant-keeping God. And if you read Genesis, God holds himself accountable to make sure that he protects and provides for his covenant people. So here's a father who holds himself accountable to ensure the welfare, the well-being, the safety, the protection, the provision, and the abundance, and the safety of his children. It's like almost like a double-barreled assurance to us. It, it doesn't get any stronger than that, that God watches over us and will care for us and will protect us. You know, he watched over Hagar and later on Ishmael, even though Hagar especially was an outsider. She was outside of the covenant, being an Egyptian. But God watched over her because she married into the covenant through Abram. She became part of Abram's family, part of his household. And so therefore, God extended his covenant towards her and to Ishmael. Maybe you are in a difficult situation right now. Maybe you feel afflicted. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. Maybe you want to run away. You're ready to give up. Whatever it is. Maybe it's this 10 months long lockdown. At least for us in Manila, it's been 10 months long. Maybe there, there's some mental health issues already. Or maybe it's a sin issue. Or maybe again, you're in an abusive relationship. Maybe there's sin in your life. God knows where you are. God is not indifferent to you. You are not invisible to God. God knows exactly where you are. In fact, he is asking you, where are you? And as soon as you turn towards God, you will find him standing right there. And that's why I love Isaiah 59 because Isaiah 59 says, God's arm is not too short to save, which means whoever you are, whatever your background is, Whatever it is that you've done, I, I will never know whatever it is that you've done, whatever your past is. But whatever it is, God's arm is not too short to save. He, can, he came to seek and to save the lost. And if that's you, if you are in that predicament, you turn to God and cry out to him because he is El Roy, the God who sees. So I begin to close let me just read verses 13 to 15. 
And so she called, this is Hagar, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahairoi. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. You know what's amazing? The angel of the Lord first appeared. Again, not to Noah, not to Abram, but to Hagar, an Egyptian slave. But not only did the angel of the Lord appear to Hagar first, the marginalized, the oppressed, and the guilty. Hagar got to name God Elroy. This Egyptian slave, outsider, marginalized, lower of the low, life of suffering, guilty of sin, woman of faith, got to name the Lord Elroy, the Lord who sees. And you know what else? What's amazing? Another thing, she saw God, according to that verse we just read. She actually saw God. And God told her to name her son Ishmael, which means God hears. And so for all of us, whoever it is that you may be, whatever it is that you are going through, if you turn to God, if you cry out to him in your affliction, in your suffering, in your misery, or in your oppression, you will encounter the God who sees, the God who watches over you, the God who hears, and the God who made you and formed you even in your mother's womb. And maybe best of all, the God who delivers you from your situation. And finally, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul said, If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Again, God is covenant-keeping God. His covenant extends to all of those who are part of his covenant. And according to uh, Paul, by the New Testament, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that's the key phrase, if you are Christ's, if you are Christ's, then you are part of the covenant of God. And we become part of Christ or in Christ as we put all of our faith and all of our trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God bless you and allow me just to pray for you just for a few seconds and I'll turn it over to your pastor. Lord, thank you so much again for this day. I pray for each and every person who's joining us today. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as El Roy the God who sees, the God who watches over us, and the God who hears our heart cry. I pray that you would watch over them, protect them, keep them safe, surround them and their families with angels like a wall of fire, even especially during this time of pandemic. And Lord, I pray that you would return to them a hundredfold whatever has been taken by this pandemic and this economic recession, for no other reason, but so that your name would be honored through our lives, in our lives, and so that we could be a blessing to our community and to the nations of the world. We give you, Father, all the glory in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Thank you and goodbye.